already at our last uh, large group, and it's been an incredible, incredible semester, and it went by so fast, right? When it comes to Emmaus, it went by so fast, but when it comes to your studies, it went by so slow, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, man, uh, today I have the opportunity to share the last word um, for our last large group, and I'm so thankful, and it amazes me to see your faces here today, and especially for those who are just stopping by Korea just for one semester, uh, it's amazing to see the grace of God upon your life, um, you know, by bringing you to this community, uh, not necessarily just for community, but for a deeper relationship with Jesus, you know, and so, you know, Jeffrey, yeah, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you. Yeah, I'm so thankful for your servant heart. I'm so thankful that uh, you joined this community and that we got to know each other and meet up a couple times. And um, hopefully we get to meet up some more, you know, before you go back. Who's thankful for Jeffrey? Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah, um, and Cola. Yeah, Cola. Like, we love having you here. We love your smile. And you're, you've been such an incredible blessing here in this in this campus and we wish that you can stay longer you know but um i believe and i'm confident that um you know the word that i have for you is that <clears throat> you're not you're not the dead sea what i mean by that is the dead sea it's a it's called dead and it's the saltiest nothing can live in that sea because it, there's an inflow of water in that sea but um the reason why it's dead and nothing can live there is because there's no outflow Right? There's no outflow in that sea. Um, it's the saltiest body of water in the, in the world. And I, the reason why I say you're, like the, you're not the Dead Sea is because for you, I know that you receive so much here in the time in Korea, but I know that when you go back, God's going to really partner with you and use you to outflow. You know? So God bless you and uh, how God uses you in your ministry back at church. Yeah. Who's thankful for Cola? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's been so good, yeah. And, uh, you know, we love. I see you. <laughs> Ashley's trying to hide. <laughs> Ashley, even though Ashley and Kayla, you know, even though you guys came a little bit later, we're so thankful that you guys came. You know, you guys bring a lot of joy and presence into, into our campus. And um, we love having you guys here. Yeah, we love. Who loves having them here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Joanna, <laughs> you're going to stay longer, but I just want to say that I might go broke because you keep asking me for ice cream, right? <laughs> <laughs> Every week she asks me for ice cream. Did God tell you to buy me ice cream? Like, let me ask God. <laughs> but anyways, I'm just thankful for all the new faces and the old faces and what God's doing. Um, praise God. Praise God. Today's topic is the last topic of the Emmaus Road curriculum that we're going through. And the topic item is a travel journal. It's a journal, right? And if you look at the last one, Travel journal, it is a symbol of testimony. Everybody say testimony. All right. Everybody say, I got a testimony. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have a powerful testimony. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a powerful testimony. <clears throat> you know? I'm sure if you've grown up in the church, 
you've heard that word testimony thrown around here and there. Let me share my testimony. This person is going to share their testimony, right? But the fact is that testimony is not a Christian word. Did you know that, right? Testimony is not a Christian word. Testimony, anybody uses that word, testimony. If you go to, if you go to court, how many of you guys have been to court? Why? I'm just kidding. Um, I've been to court. If you guys heard my testimony, you would hear that I have been to court many times, and I have been to jail, and then Jesus met me in jail. That's how I became, you know, a leader now. So that's a long testimony. But in court, whenever there's a serious case, there has to be someone who comes up and shares as a witness, right? So a witness, what they do, they share a testimony. That's what it's called. The purpose of the testimony in court is to show evidence. Everybody say evidence. It's to show proof. Proof, right? And so what does a testimony mean? A testimony means this. As a Christian, it's proof of God's goodness in your life. A testimony is proof and evidence of God's involvement in your life. That's a testimony. And, you know, we should, let me just say flat out, as Christians, we should not compare testimonies with each other. We should not say that person's testimony is better than mine. We should not say that. We shouldn't even say, oh, my testimony is not that good. And their testimony is powerful. We shouldn't compare testimonies. You know why? Because when we say, I don't have a good testimony, that's basically like saying, what God has done in my life isn't that great. What God has done in my life isn't that great. And you know, it really, it really bothers my heart when I see people say, I don't like my testimony, or, I don't have a testimony, or that person's testimony is better than mine. Because in reality, what's happening is they're being blind to the fingerprints of God in their life. They're being blind to God's involvement in their life. It's like, it's like you know, my testimony is that, you know, I used to sell drugs, Right? And I, why is Ruth is laughing? My testimony is that I used to sell drugs when I was in high school. I got caught. And then I used to sell drugs in school and even at church. Right? And I went to, you know, jail for people under age 18. And then in jail, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard of a God who loves me unconditionally, no matter what. I heard of a God who shows mercy and compassion, but doesn't just want to save me and forgive me, but wants to adopt me as his son. This unconditional love. This is God's involvement in my life. And I share this, and you know what people say? Wow, John, your testimony was powerful. Your testimony is powerful, right? But on the flip side, there are people that said, I never done drugs before. I never sold drugs before. I never stolen anything before. I never got drunk with alcohol before. I've never uh, cheated on anyone before. Therefore, 
I don't have a good testimony. Have you guys ever heard anything like that? I think that's ridiculous. Like, think about, think, think about the logic of that. It's like, for me, I have sinned against God. I, was, I, had, I have broken his heart so many times. And I have offended and broken his law. And that's a good, that's a good thing. That's a good testimony, you know? And then here's someone who has stayed pure, who, have n- who has not fallen into peer pressure, who have not uh, destructed the, the, the temple of God, their body, and they're saying, I don't have a good testimony. I think that's a greater testimony. Amen? That's a greater testimony. But the thing is, people are blind to see God's fingerprints in their life. That what if God was shielding them? You know what I mean? We need to change our perspective of testimony. You see, with testimony, our testimony is this. In reality, it's not my testimony. It's not Mika's testimony. It's not Joanna's testimony. It's not Maggie's testimony. In reality, it's the testimony of Jesus. Look to your neighbor and say, your life is a testimony of Jesus. You know why? Because I am not the author of my life. Jesus is the author of my life. I am not the one writing the story of my life. Jesus is the one writing the story of your life. And yeah, we make mistakes. You know, we go here, we take a left when he doesn't want us to. But he's like, the Holy Spirit is like a GPS. Recalibrating and bringing us back to his will. Because the end destination is the same. Right? You know, the testimony of Jesus. And let me tell you for sure right now. In your life, you have a powerful testimony. You have a powerful testimony. Amen? And the thing about testimony is, testimonies are powerful because when we share our testimonies, we are showing the world evidence of God's goodness in our life. And it's, you know what it does? It releases hope. It releases hope. You know, for me, I've, after I became a Christian, I've be, I came across so many youth that have struggled with drugs. So many youth that have bad relationship with their parents. So many youth that struggle with shame because of everything that they've done to God. And you know what? I share th- that I've went through the same thing and it releases so much hope for them. Oh, maybe God can love me. You know? So did you know that you have the power to release hope to a hopeless world. You know that? Maybe, you know, did you know that we're young? I'm young too. I'm young too. I'm 28 years old, all right? Which means this, God is still writing a lot. Which means, you know what? Even though I have a testimony to share, God is always writing. There's more testimony to come. There's, I'm still a work in progress. I'm not a finished product Anybody in here a finished product? DP? No. (laughs) You know, there's a problem of our generation. Of our generation. And that problem is um, forgetfulness. Everyone say forgetfulness. ADHD, we forget a lot. We forget a lot. 
If we didn't have planners, we would, we would be, we'd be in trouble, many of us. We forget so much. And you know why forgetfulness is such an important thing? It's because in the Bible, the people of God, the Israelites, who God delivered out of slavery, out of Egypt, God showed signs and wonders, miracles, split the Red Sea, all the plagues, provided manna, provided, provided, provided everything, provided the law, took care of them, delivered them out of Egypt. But what was their downfall later on? Why did they abandon God? Forgetfulness. They could not remember what God had done for them. And you know what? I look at that and I'm like, how can, how can, how can that happen? How can they forget? But the truth is that we forget all the time. We forget God's goodness. We forget what he has done for us. We, we forget the Egypt that he has taken us out of. We forget everything that he's provided for us. You know, during the, during the um, time of prayer, I said a quote by Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite theologians. He says this, anything better than hell is grace. Because our destiny, because of our sin, was hell. But by grace, he saved us, right? Anything better than hell, anything better than hell is grace. Because nothing we deserve. Amen? So there's so much to be thankful for. There's so much to remember. Right? And right now, I want us to turn to Joshua chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. Joshua chapter 4. Today I want to get rid of this heart of forgetfulness. Getting rid of the Dory effect. Who knows Dory? Finding Nemo, right? Getting rid of the Dory effect. Mrs. Forgetfulness, alright? Let's turn to Joshua chapter 6, I mean chapter 4. Um, and this is a part of the journey of the Israelites. When after God delivered them out of slavery, out of Egypt, they spent 40 years in the wilderness to learn how to depend on God. And after 40 years have passed, finally the, the, the time has come for them to finally cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey, fruitfulness, paradise, right? Finally the time has come. And as they're about to cross the Jordan River, this is what happens, all right? Led by Joshua. Let's turn to verse, I'm going to read verse 1 through 7. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. You guys there? Here we go. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out to the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring with, bring with them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, this is the main point, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone, a stone 
upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, your children, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Everyone say memorial. So to to paint a picture of what's going on, what happened is this. The people of God, they're about to cross the Jordan River. God splits the Jordan River just like he did the Red Sea. They walk across and then God commands 12 men to gather 12 stones to go across the river and they pile the stones together. And that stone is a memorial. Memorial. You know, I'm sure this school has memorials. Statues, right? Places. Why are statues there? If you go to Chicago, there's a statue of Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever, right? Why is it there? To remember. To remember what he has done in that city. To commemorate. I'm sure there's a lot here in Korea. There's a Gwangamun. There's that dude, uh, that guy sitting on the throne. Uh, what's his name again? Sejong, right? Oh, I'm sorry. That was... Very disrespectful. I'm sorry. Oh. You know, he's, that's a memorial to remember what he has done. To testify what he has done. To, to give evidence that what did he do? Korean alphabet. It's a pretty big deal, right? So in this story, God calls these people to get 12 stones and pile them up and make a memorial. Why? To remember what? To remember everything that God has done for them. You guys with me? You know, I went into, uh, back in Virginia, I have a pastor. And I went into this, his office one time. And in the corner of his office, there was a little coffee table. And on that coffee table, this is really cool, there was a vase, a glass vase, a clear vase, pretty big. And inside the vase, there were stones this big, piled inside the vase. There had to have been at least like 20. And I looked over into it, and on each stone was written with permanent marker, a certain date. And then writing on the stone. And I said, hey, Pastor John. His name is Pastor John, too. What, what is this? And he said, this is my memorial. Every time God some, does something major in my life, any time Holy Spirit convicts me to make another stone, I write the date of what God has done and I write the testimony of what God has done and I leave it in there. And he says, I need it for my remembrance. I need it for my remembrance. You know what he said? Because when times get tough, when things get difficult, when difficult circumstances come my way, I go back to that corner and I take out every stone and I read Every, every stone, to remind myself that God is with me, to remind myself of these truths. That's powerful, right? Memorial stones. And um, I, think, I think that many of us, we're young, but I think if we really took on this project, let's say, even for one year, 
we should have like 50 stones. We should have so many stones. Amen? Amen? You know, your testimony is a weapon. Turn to your neighbors. You say, your testimony is a weapon. Because I already said it releases hope, right? How many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath? Raise your hand. David and Goliath. Small little boy who goes to fight against this Philistine, giant Philistine. Looks like an impossible task. But David goes to fight against him. What was his weapon of choice? A sling and how many stones? Five stones. There's five stones in his pouch, right? But he swung one stone and he knocked him out. And he knocked him out. You know, I love this story because, you know, I feel like for me, why is testimony powerful is because this. In our lives, there are many Goliaths. Analogy. There are many Goliaths that come our way. Fear. Shame. Insecurities. Right? Circumstances that try to shake our faith. Right? But I feel like for me, every every stone of remembrance, I want to sling it at whatever comes my way. To slay the Goliaths of those lies that try to bring me down. Amen. My question to us is. Do we have our pouches filled? Do we have our weapons ready? Do we have our weapons ready? You know, that's how you live a victorious life. Remembrance of God's goodness in our lives. Amen? Come on. Even in Revelations chapter 12, it talks about defeating the enemy in the last days. And the verse, it says this, that we are to fight and defeat the enemy by two things. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. In the last days, it talks about what's going to get us through. What's going to give us victory? The blood of the lamb, the finished work of the cross, and the testimony that we carry. The testimony that we carry. Don't ever say, I have a weak testimony. Don't ever say that my testimony is less powerful than somebody else's. Because you're not the author of it. It's God. Amen? But the problem is this. Here's the problem. Like I said earlier, we are a generation that do not know how to remember. Do not know how to remember. You know why we don't remember? Because this generation... You know what we really suck at, we're really bad at, is meditation and contemplation. Meditation and contemplation. We just don't know how to sit still and think and appreciate. You know, much of our brain activity, especially here in Korea, so palipali, so fast, on to the next thing. What's next? What's next? What's next? So tiring, so busy. We don't know how to just sit there and just think. And be thankful. Meditation and contemplation. You know what our culture teaches us to do when we do have that time? We use, we use our brain to do dead activity. What I mean by that is this. 
watching YouTube all the time, going numb, numbing ourselves by looking at social media, scrolling down newsfeed all the time, scrolling down Instagram all the time, and just wasting that time which is dead thinking. Doesn't give us life. We don't know how to contemplate and think. That's why we're so bad. I've heard, of, I've, heard, I've heard someone say that we're like the ADD generation. And people laugh at that, but that's tragic. That's tragic. We don't know how to appreciate the quality of life. And that leads to thankfulness. One of the greatest weapons that we as Christians can walk in is thankfulness. Thankfulness. And that is directly aligned with testimony. You know, you know why we're not thankful people many times? It's because of this. Honestly, I'm just going to say it. It's because we're selfish. It's because we're selfish. It's because we think, we, you know what it is? We compare. We compare testimonies. And we say to ourselves, God, look at how much you're doing in that person's life. How come you're not doing it in my life? God, you've blessed them so much. But what about me? And there's jealousy in the heart. There's jealousy that births in the heart. And then jealousy breeds bitterness. And bitterness breeds a heart that becomes more and more hardened. And with a hardened heart, it is impossible to have thankfulness in our hearts. And without having a thankful heart, guess what? There is no real praise in our hearts. There is no deep praise because praise means thanksgiving. You know, we got to pay attention and contemplate and think about God's goodness in our lives. Do you know how much God loves you? Do we know how much it costs for you to live right now? Do you know how much your price tag is? If there was a price tag on you, do, you, do we know that the price was the blood of Jesus? Do you know how much Jesus went through to give us life and relationship with him? There's so much goodness and testimony. Do you know how much God is shielding you from? And sure, I know, I know there are questions in our lives that we don't know how to answer. And frankly, as, as a leader, I'll go ahead and say that many questions I don't know how to answer either. We just go through stuff, but we don't know why, God. Why, God? My dad passed away seven years ago, and I said, why, God? I don't know why. But my dad passing away from a sudden brain tumor, that's not going to dictate my view of God's goodness. My faith in God's word is going to dictate my view on God's goodness. You see, many times circumstances shape our faith. Circumstances shape whether or not we're going to have a thankful heart or not. Why? Because if we're centered, get this, if we're centered on circumstances, you know what that means? Deep inside, we're living a selfish life. It's about me, God, and not about your glory, God. 
you know? And tonight, I just want to say, if you were to just lock yourself in a room for one day, how hard would it be for you to write down pages and pages and pages and things you're thankful for? Not things that you should be thankful for, but really, in your heart, you're really thankful for. Really. You know, if you marry remembrance and thankfulness, you know what you get? Praise. In your heart, if, because some people, they're good at remembering, but they're not thankful for the things that they remember. But if you get thankfulness and praise, a thankfulness and remembrance in your heart, then you, you know what naturally comes out? It's praise. And a life filled with praise is a life filled with joy. How many of you guys want to live that life? A joyful, victorious life, regardless of circumstances. You know, it's, I got to admit, it's hard here in Korea. It's hard. It's hard to get some time to really just think and meditate on God's goodness. It really is. But we need to fight for it. We have to fight for it. Amen? So comparison steals thankfulness. Jealousy steals thankfulness. Selfishness blinds us from seeing God's fingerprints in our lives. And this leads to hard-heartedness. You know, many times we sing that song, You are good, you are good, oh, you are good. And many times in my life, I'll just be real with you, many times in my life, I'm thinking in my mind, how many times are we going to sing this? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> you know, just be real. I'm like, how many times, can we go to the next song? <laughs> Whenever I sing it, I'm forcing myself, and I, I don't, sometimes I catch myself, I don't even know why I'm singing, you are good. Sometimes my you are good feels very empty. And I know there's a part of it of singing it in faith to get there. That's true too. But you know what? There are powerful times when I'm singing you are good. And that's the only thing I ever need to sing for that moment. Why? Because my heart is so tender. Not hard. My heart is so thankful. Because that day, you know what I did? I've been marinating. My hardened heart has been melting away because I sat there and I really just thought about my life and how much I didn't deserve it. But if we're selfish and we're thinking about me, 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 and we're struggling with comparison, when you come to the place of worship and praise and say, you are good, you are good, it's not going to feel so full. It's going to feel hollow. It's going to be hard. You guys with me? Right? So we need a greater sensitivity to gratitude. Today's lesson was testimony, evidence. And many of us, we struggle. If you've got to be real with yourself, we struggle to recognize the goodness of God in your life. We struggle with comparison. Some of us, we do. Just be real with yourself, you know. We struggle with comparison. We look at others and we, get, we struggle with jealousy. And some of us, we don't know and we recognize, we're not sensitive to the goodness of God in our lives. And some of us, we're insecure about 
our testimony. And if we're insecure about our testimony, then we'll be afraid to share it. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. That's exactly what Satan wants. He wants to shut our mouths from testifying of God's goodness. He wants to immobilize us from releasing hope into, into this world. You know, at this time, let's just take some time to close our eyes right now. We're just going to go into a time of ministry and prayer. <clears throat> and um, let's pray. And take some time right now. Uh, before I give any direction in prayer, just you and the Lord. Ask Holy Spirit, search my heart, God. Search my heart, God. God, is there jealousy in my heart? God, is my heart hardened? God, is my heart, is there comparison? Do I struggle with comparison, God? You know, do I, do I look to others so much and I don't take care of myself? Am I too hard on myself? And I'm telling you, tonight, I want there to be freedom tonight. And I want this time to be really just be taken seriously. Just begin to talk to the Lord, just you and the Lord. Ask Him to search your heart. Ask Him to search your heart. Yes, God. Yes, God. We, we just invite your presence here. We just invite your presence here right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Would you take rain over this place? Would you take rain over this place right now? Would you speak to your sons and daughters right now? Would you begin to, would you, with the fire of your love, begin to melt hearts right now, God? Speak to us, God. Search my heart. Search our hearts, oh God. Help us to awaken to the testimony. If you'd like to receive prayer, you know, if you feel convicted, if you feel, if you feel like Holy Spirit is exposing in your heart comparison or jealousy or selfishness, these things, just ungratefulness, insecurity, I want you to just stand where you are. And we're going to have a staff come over just to pray for you. And don't be afraid. This is our last large group. Stand where you are if you like to receive prayer. God, I want greater sensitivity to gratitude. God, I want greater sensitivity to thankfulness, God. God, I'm tired of missing what you're doing in my life, God. God, you're so involved in my life, but I keep missing it because of my selfishness. Because of my jealousy and comparison. If you're standing, just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. And the staff is going to come around to pray for you. Staff, if I can get us to um, go around to pray for those standing right now. So we're just going to go around and pray for you. So just keep praying. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this time, for your ministry, Holy Spirit. I want to uh, share something that God put on my heart. Um, if you're listening, you can just listen. I feel like 
God wants to share. Um, I think I shared this at the very first large group this semester. But in case you guys forgot, <laughs> in case we forgot, uh, I'm going to share it again. I feel God's putting on my heart. There's a pastor by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. And uh, I feel like this word is for us. And he said that whenever he goes to big conferences like this, if you guys can uh, look up at me, actually, um, whenever he speaks at a conference, people go to him and say, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me that I would be like you? I want the anointing you have. I want the gifting you have. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And Reinhard Bonnke, he said this. He hates when people does that. So one time he got invited to a conference of more than 100,000 people. And then during the speaker, when he was speaking, he said, after this conference finishes, please don't come to me and ask for prayer for my anointing and giftings. And he said this, you know why? Because you people, you cannot handle my gifting or anointing. And the crowd was like, what? Shocked. And then he said something so powerful. He said, but at the same time, I cannot handle your, your gifting and your anointing. And he said, when God created us, God is not a duplicator. He's a creator. Which means each and every one of us, we don't have the same fingerprints. And each and every one of us, God has blessed you with a unique set of gifts. And a different a life that looks different. So that sets you free from all kinds of comparison. Because God doesn't want to duplicate you to look like any other life. But God is doing something special in your life alone. Don't look at magazines. Don't look at the internet to try to form yourself. Because those are false standards. God is doing something unique and special in your life. Amen. And the last thing I want to share is this. It's one of my favorite songs. I'm just going to read the lyrics. The song title is called You See. You See. You can listen to it later on. I'll send it to you guys on the cacao. How many of you guys know this song? Raise your hand. You see. I'm going to read the lyrics. It's so powerful. And I, I just want you to hear it and just receive it. You guys ready? It says this. I see a mountain. But you see a miracle. I see a wasteland. But you see a garden. I see dry bones. But you see an army. I see impossible, but you see everything. Verse 2. I see a seed. You see a harvest. I see the water. You see the wine. I see the broken. You see your own body. I see my enemy. You see your footstool. You are the great I am, but I've been so blind all this time. My God, touch me. I want to see the way that you see. 
Verse 3. I see my sins. You see your blood. I see a baby. You see a savior. I see my failures. You see redemption. I see a beggar. But you see a son. Or daughter. The last verse. I love this last verse. I see my father. You see your son. I see a shepherd. You see your lamb. I see my savior. You see your joy. I see your eyes staring back at mine. I'm going to read that last verse again. This is the verse when we have a renewed vision of God in our life. A renewed perspective is this. I see my Father, my God. You see your Son. Lord, we see a shepherd. And you see your lambs. I see my Savior. You see your joy. Do you believe that? And when God sees you, He smiles. He sees His joy. I see your eyes staring back at mine. The song is about God's perspective of you. And now, how we see ourselves is not true. But it's about how God sees who you are. Amen.